Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. This is Scotty Carlisle, and I hope you enjoy the podcast that we're going to go down the road with today. The whole concept for MOVE is M, make a difference. Oh, to offer up your time, talent, and gifts. B, there's victory in the small things, and E, to encourage others. And so I started to move. We have a very unique guest. And you know what? I think I would do you an injustice. Sid, could you go ahead and introduce yourself? Ah, that's an interesting uh, dilemma you just put me in. Introducing myself, right? <laughs> Thinking uh, on your feet, man. Yeah, because it it can go so many different directions. And I have to say that in this life, I've lived multiple lives within this one already. And, and I'd have to say that the person that I am today is way different than I was uh, 20, 30 years ago. And then, you know, going from being an athlete to being uh, a coach to leaving the coaching profession to have the ability to work with everyone and not just the hundred guys that I was working with in coaching college football. And so that began to uh, take me down a whole nother journey, you know, first healing myself, healing my fused ankle and, and all those things through yoga. And, and what happened for me was I'd really say, both professions, being a yogi and being a college football coach, took me to a place of feeling like I was burning out. And so it continued to cause me to reinvent myself and to discover how could I go further. So then I began to dive into my Native American background and, and really go down a spirit path and took on my Native American name, He Who Brings Peace, and, and, uh, and learned how to bring more peace to me because as soon as I said that on vision quest, that I would accept the mission of peace, anything that wasn't peaceful started getting removed from my life. Some of it was forcefully removed, like, uh, in a way that was like, all right, you, you don't want to get rid of it. We're going to force you to get rid of it. And, uh, so that was, that's been probably the biggest thing for me is coming into this place of being a person who truly has committed the spirit to walk the walk of being a peacekeeper. And, uh, and so that I'd say is, is more in line with where I am now, you know, from where I've been is, is being a person that uh, helps others with whatever it is they need. And that can look like sitting with someone listening, you know, in a mentor space, helping guide them through to their next step, being with an athlete and, and helping them reach elite level of performance being in uh, been meditating since I was eight years old. So helping people find that. Oh, wow. That state of stillness is, um, is a big part. And, and I don't consider myself a healer in the sense that when I work with people, yes, they, there's many times people have transformed from cancer, HIV, standing up out of a wheelchair, uh, different things like that. Yet that's God. You know, that's, that's the source working through me. And, and I've chosen to allow that space to open up. Uh, and it's accessible to a lot of people yet. 
I haven't seen too many people that'll walk the whole journey uh, to getting there. Cause it, someone asked me the other day, they said, well, what would it be like if everyone had peace and someone else answered before me and they said, it'd be boring. <laughs> and, and right. 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 And so we, so often, and even I catch myself wanting to go back into the drama uh, of the past because it's, it's where a lot of life happens. You know, a lifeline is not a flat line. It's up and down, up and down, up and down. Peace looks like a steady current, you know? And uh, so that's, that's what uh, I would say for myself is, if anything is a challenge of the person of who I am now is, is staying in the steady current when sometimes I just want to play in life. So that's, I, that's man, I can, I can relate to that. My question is you were meditating at eight years old. How did, did was your, what, how'd you get into that at eight, at eight years old? I think that's great. But how, how you do that? Well, I started playing sports at seven. So I started playing soccer at seven and I had a soccer coach who used to play with Pele and Pele from my understanding, would meditate like an hour and a half before his games. He'd lay down and he'd go through his mental space of, you know, what it was like when he was a kid in Brazil running around kicking coconuts and, and just having fun. So he wanted to get his mind in that space. And then he would begin to transition into, all right, where was he more recently playing at his highest ability? And then what is it going to look like for him to play all the way up to 50? I mean, just think about that. We, we talk about, you know, right now we've got Tom Brady running around and playing a game where he gets to sit in the pocket and, and it's extraordinary that he's doing it at his age. Now imagine someone playing world cup football, soccer at 50 running and doing all that and still being the best on the field. And so that is a whole nother elite athlete within. And so having a soccer coach that had played with him and then trained me and everybody uh, at eight years old. I mean, I, I can only imagine when you're trying to travel these kids all over the, you know, he took us to England. We went to different places all over with him. And so in order to do that, you kind of have to manage kids, you know, you have to get them to a point that they're disciplined enough to be still and listen and that's, that's how it was introduced to me. So then that stayed with me. And, and I was very fortunate for some strange reason. I had a, a football coach, American football in high school that would sit us in the gym and say, okay, sit here, be quiet, turn the lights off. And that's how we would get ready for games. Like for 45 minutes, just sitting in the darkness, not allowed to talk. That is meditation. Even if you, you know, some people would fall asleep or whatever, but it, it would, we come out of there like we were getting shot out of a rocket. <laughs> it was like, all right, here we are. We're focused. This, this is what we've been waiting on to get here. And now we're here. Let's go out and play. And, and then when I got to college, my soccer coach, also in college, uh, played with Pele. And, and so it was always something that followed me around. And, and when I started coaching uh, at Eastern Illinois University, this professor who was a football player, said, okay, Sid, you're going to teach everybody how to meditate. And he didn't know anything about me. And so that <laughs> I, I remember making this meditation tape and everyone was like, wow. And uh, even my ex-wife 
a few years ago said, I still do that meditation tape from when I, which was in 93, you know? Wow. So that, uh, that's how it started for me. And that's, that's how it's lasted 40 years. It's, it's always been something I can lean on and, and find peace in and just sitting for sure. You know, you remind me talking to you reminds me a, a lot of, I've read a couple books lately from Don Miguel Ruiz uh, and Don Miguel Ru Ruiz Jr., uh, The Five Levels of Attachment, and I, I can't remember. There's there's another one, but... Four Agreements that became the Fifth Agreement. Yep, the Four Agreements. That was definitely... Yeah, that's who I, that was the dad, right, that wrote that, Miguel Ruiz. I read that a little while ago, and then his son, The Five Levels of Attachment, and something about mastery, self-mastery something. But either way... Um, a lot of really insightful things about us and about vibrations, right? And I, just out of curiosity, have you read the book, The Celestine Prophecy? Yes, I have. And I uh, I saw the movie too. They're both oh. good. There's a movie. Yep. Okay. So now I got to watch the movie. I have not seen the movie. But um, so, okay, you have been meditating for you know a long time obviously and i believe that it gave you insight and it probably gave you a leg up on a lot of people um i know from my own experience when i was in high school because i was also an athlete and my brain was i had no reins on the you know thought to the movement and i was all over the place in so many different ways and had i have the understanding now back then of meditation and of, you know, gathering your thoughts and what we actually have the ability to do. I think it would have been a completely different picture, but better late than never, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, and you can see it with, as I got further, you know, the game changed for 12 years of coaching from the beginning in the 90s, all the way to when I stopped in uh, early 2000s it changed a lot. And so to see, like, they, we don't really acknowledge the fact that watching something over and over and over and over and over again, is really a meditation on that, right? And so when it comes to like a Ray Lewis, who can sit back and dissect the game so much, that when he finally gets in real life in the game, he sees the front side guard do something and the backside guard do something else. And he's now shooting the hole. Well, that's because his brain is programmed and his body goes and responds. And that is meditation in, in motion, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's so awesome that I, I, that, uh, I mean, it's becoming, people are starting to understand it. They're, they're it's like the mindset it, coaches and all that. Is that the same as the flow state? Yeah, very much. I mean, it's an access point and flow state to me is where you know, there's, for me, there's four stages of learning. First stage is unconscious inability, meaning you don't even know that you don't know what you need to know. And then all of a sudden somebody shows you something that's like, oh, I don't know. And that's conscious inability. You've just now recognized that you don't know what you need to know, but you know you don't know. And until we get to that point, we can't even begin to process any type of learning. And so then we get the tools in order to 
become uh, in the ability. So we have conscious ability and that allows us the space to say, okay, I'm aware of the ability that I need. And I may, um, you know, have cones that set up to make me move this way or do whatever. And then all of a sudden the way we want to get is to unconscious ability to where we no longer have to think. And we just do that's the flow state. We, when we get in that, especially as an athlete, the access point is different. Like, it's like, Oh, I saw this. My body's already gone. My, my mind started seeing it. Cause I, I think I can imagine in Ray Lewis's vision, like he's looking right at the quarterback. He's the middle linebacker. He's looking at the quarterback. And I know a lot of people that aren't following me right now. <laughs> they don't football, but you've got the guards in your peripheral vision and yet your brain sees wider than the, even scope of our peripheral vision. So now all of a sudden my brain sees this happen and I go this way, right? I'd go the other way or however that works out on what it sees. And that that's flow. Like that's incredible. That's Tom Brady sitting in the pocket saying, okay, I just had the, the free safety do this. The linebacker did that. The backside linebacker did this. I can throw the backside post because the free safety went out of the middle of the field. All those things happening in someone's mind so quickly where it's in that flow state because they've gone through those four stages of learning. And that, that's just a powerful thing. I used to um, do springboard diving and I didn't start till, till college and I wanted to be good so bad. And so I'm like, what can I do to make myself better? And at the point it was in Georgia, we had a, there was a sports psychologist. So I made an appointment to go talk to the sports psychologist and it really helped me a lot. It really helped me with visualization techniques, with trigger words, with with different things. And that's probably when I was first introduced. It wasn't called flow state. He referred to, you know, but basically he's like, you get to a point where you don't have to think. You just, you just do. And that was very apparent when I would nail a dive a lot of times. I wasn't thinking about anything. It was just, I would, I, I just let it happen, but you don't get to that point unless you practice, 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 practice. So there's a lot of pain and suffering in between those moments. But I think the more that you can, can practice repetition that the closer and the sooner you're going to come into that flow state. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the, in outliers by, uh, Gladwell. Yep. He, um, to me that that's what that is. Like you got closer and closer to 10,000 hours of mastery. You know, most people in athletics, especially don't get close to 10,000 hours of mastery because sports are over at such a young age, right? Like yep. they say the, in order to hit 10,000 hours in football, you have to play until you're 27. Most people are done playing at 18 if they're lucky. Yeah, if they're lucky. <laughs> and so, so then that's nine years away from getting to mastery. So when I work with the athletes, it's like, all right, how can we get you closer to mastery before anybody else is getting there? Because that puts you ahead mentally in the game and that allows you to process and, and hit that zone that allows things to unfold. And, and it can happen in anything. When it's like, here talking to you and I'm like four stages of learning and this is what it is and blah, blah, blah. That's me working in my mastery. 
You know, that's me taking the time and saying, okay, I'm going to practice, practice, practice. I've, I've written this stuff up so many times. I don't, I don't need to write it anymore. It's in my, like I, people are like, how do you teach a 200 or 500 hour teacher training with no books? That's because I've become the book. I took so much time working on that. I wow. get up and start teaching it. And it's, and that I think is now I'm looking for that level of mastery in how can I um, activate within myself the energy that allows somebody else to feel and shift on that level, right? Like on that level of, and it's possible, like there's people that raise their vibration so much that another person reaches into that frequency with them. And that's health. Like that's ultimate health is how to be in that space. Now, if someone else is much lower, let's say they had a car accident and they can't move anything in their body, my or anybody's energy would have to be high enough that when they, when they meet, that person can activate their energy within and lift the other one up with them. And that, you know, I haven't been studied scientifically yet. So, you know, no one's going to say that's science, but that's, that's how I choose to see it for myself. And I'm constantly like, okay, how can I hold my vibration up to lift another up too? Well, I definitely think that that's a nebulous concept. I think that there would be people that are metrics driven and empirical data driven that would say bullshit. Uh, it's almost like the existence of God, you know, you can, whether you believe or you don't believe, I, there was a saying, it's for those that don't believe, no proof is enough. For those that do believe, no proof is necessary. When, when you feel something, your personal experience, and you feel that, and maybe you can't put it into words, or maybe there's not a track record of history that you can go back and look and say, oh yeah, this is what happens when this happens. That's hard to do, but when you're feeling something or you felt something, it's hard. How will you not believe that? You, you don't believe a feeling because there's not a statistical data to back it up. That so So I think you're on the right track and I would definitely be interested in what you do to uncover that. And because I would love to be able to do that myself, you know, on both sides. If, if I could go into talk to somebody that is down, they're in the dumps, whether it's depression, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, spiritual loss, they're suffering of some sort and I can come and help them raise them up like what you said or vice versa. If I'm a, experiencing something and you walk in and you're like, Hey, you know, and, and help me. I think that would be awesome, man. So hurry up and figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I, uh, I mean that, that is where, where I am. I don't even know how to say who I am right now. You know, like you're like, introduce yourself and, and really I'm just Sid trying to be the best Sid possible. Like, access the most love for someone else, you know, and um, Krishna Das, he was on a, he's a, a kirtan singer. So he, he does bhakti yoga. He sings chants Hindi 
like okay. Krishna and all that stuff. And he's a world-renowned uh, singer in that sense. And he was talking about how his guru told him, and I may misquote this a little bit, but if you want to raise yourself up, love people. If you want to, or no, if you want to raise your kundalini up, which is the energy at the base of your spine, love people. If you want to, uh, I think it, it it's not what he says. You want to reach enlightenment, then feed people. And that, that to me is, it's just landed so strong. Like I, I want to, there is a language that I use with people that allows uh, transformation to happen. You know, one is like dropping butt and using and more. I am supposed, I'm tired, but I don't, but I have to go to the store. I know when I say something like that, I feel it negatively. In my yeah, mind. yeah, it's a drag. Right. And then um, if I say I'm tired and I'm going to the store, it's like instantly like give me the energy because I'm going right. I feel it when I say that. And so the way that I speak to people, the way that uh, that I interact with people, I mean, it it's changed. I, I wish I could go back in some ways like I'm not going back. So if anyone hears this, that's like, Sid, come on back. We got a we got a coaching gig for you. I'm not coming back. <laughs> yeah, if I could go back and rewind and do it all over, but still be here, right? Then I would go back and I, I know I would plus my players in a whole different way because now, granted, 23 guys that I worked with ended up in the NFL. Oh, wow. Pretty, yeah, pretty good a number of people. Now, I know... There's a little more that I know that I didn't know then that I could add to them that would be like, okay, we're, we're at a whole nother level now. And, uh, and so that, that to me is what's awesome. And, and I've been very blessed to be able to do that with my kids, help them in, in their journey. And, you know, my son bought me out of my yoga studios at 23 years old. Not very many people can say that, you know. Wow. So you've had yoga studios. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. 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 We haven't even talked. So how did you get into that? How old were you and what, and how many studios, where were they at? Like, what, what was the story with that? So I got into yoga while coaching football and I had a, uh, they had to fuse my right ankle cause I'd had a couple ankle surgeries. It was, I was taking too many Advil and taking shots in order to walk the sidelines. And so after the season, uh, the team doc was like, Hey, I think if we fuse it shut, you'll stop having pain. Little did I know that that really didn't have to be done, but it's how we did it. And so uh, this lady saw me limping as I was working out. And she's like, you know, you can get, you can get that healed through yoga. And I was like, all right, first of all, who's this lady that stopped in my workout? And I don't even know what yoga is. This is 1996. <laughs> and uh, she wow. said, if you go to Target, you can buy a video. I suggest you buy a video from this guy, Rodney Yee. So I did. And I went and bought his video. And I did it. And I started feeling peace. And, and then in 2002, uh, while I was coaching football, uh, my football coach, uh, the head coach, was like, hey, man, that yoga stuff you do, do you think it could help our team? Because we were second most injured team. And I was like, definitely like it's healed my body. Why wouldn't it heal them? 
And so we started, he was like, all right, well then why don't you teach? And I started teaching and then it was like, all right, I need to go learn from someone. So I went to Omega Institute and, and happened to be that Rodney Yee was leading a teacher training. Same guy I took the video. Wow. I studied with him. Uh, we ended up having moments and friendships and, and things like that. Uh, but then after, at the end of coaching, I just wasn't, uh, I wasn't clear in myself to be able to coach and raise me up in the midst of some of the chaos that I was witnessing in football. So then I was like, all right, how do I move on? And so that's when I opened a yoga studio. I ended up with uh, four yoga studios opened. And, and then uh, my son was like, hey, man, I, I'm ready to come home. He had gone to play for one of my football players at Western Michigan University and was like, I, I want to come home and I, I want to do the other half of my life. I want to do yoga. And I was like, dude, you drop out of college. That means I have to be your university. It's going to be worse. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> but he came home and then by the time he turned 23, he's like, you know, I'm tired of working for you. Do you mind if, could I buy you out of this? I think I want to own yoga studios. And uh, so long story short, we got here and now he's, he's, uh, he's been open all the way through the pandemic. So he's doing something right. Wow. That's pretty awesome, man. I, yeah. one of the guys I listen to, I listen to a lot more than uh, sad guru. Yeah. On, on Facebook, man, I've listened to probably 150, if not more, of his little witticisms or little explanations of, you know, the simple things in life that he has a way of bringing out an analogy and making making it understandable for, you know, a, a small kid. But he's talking about profound things. And so uh, between him, Bruce Lee, now Bruce Lee has really made an impression when I was growing up, he was one of my heroes and you know, he's badass. And as I, you know, obviously he passed away at 32 and the amount of impact that he made on the world at his age is un it's just amazing. And so I, uh, in doing this Bevolve course, I was doing, looking at different types of movements and so I saw there was a book by Bruce Lee called Striking Thoughts. Well, I thought it was talking about in movements, striking in different ways until I started to read it. And then I'm like, oh, no, no, this is striking thoughts, things that he looked at the universe and his interpretation of the world and his philosophy of how he and then i'm looking at it like wow that guy was so wise beyond his years and and he talks about vibration he talks about gratitude he talks about so many different things and his outlook is so now he's 10 times more my hero than he was before so between those two guys i'm so do you have anybody like that that you that you still um got glean insights from or who, who are people that you look up to? I look up to my, my grandmother, grandmother Morningstar. I look up to her because she put me out on the mountain and uh, four different times to sit with no food or water for four days, three nights in the space that she held for me to, um, to have the opportunity to connect to spirit. I, 
I will always appreciate her uh, for all that she's done in my life. And then, and I really, I have mentors in the sense of, I have a mentor, his name's Jerry Guyton. Uh, he's a world-renowned scientist. He is, he is the man that figured out how to see the cells on your skin. So, wow. Yeah. So we talk whenever I'm stumped yet. It's not because he's telling me how to do something or how to think. I just know when I pick up the phone to call him, there's absolutely no judgment on how far out I may sound. And he just Love helps it. me go deeper in that way. And so I really, uh, I, I have Titnut Han's book on my desk, Living Buddha, Living Christ. Um, he was, he has, you know, he's no longer here, but he had opened up the Art of Living centers. And so he's also my grandmom's guru. So I, I lean on his word and it just hit me one day that, wait a minute, I now call my stuff the Art of Peaceful Living and it's an extension of his. So I definitely feel like um, in some ways I'm allowing his words to live on through me in that way. Uh, but I've heard a lot about Sadhguru. Some people say that we are so much alike. You need to go check out, check out Sadhguru. And I'm like, all right, well, why am I going to look and look at myself? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, but that, and then there's, I just, enjoy people that have made it in some way, you know, like Matthew McConaughey uh, gave a speech when he got, won the Oscar about who was his hero. And he was like, somebody came up to me when I was 19 and asked me who was my hero. And I thought about it. And then I came back and said, my hero is me in five years. And then when he got to that place, he said it again, my hero is me in five years. And so People inspire me and they, they don't even know they've inspired me just in, you know, things that they've said. So when he said that, I think I was like 30, 30 something. And I was like, when I turn 35, I'm going to be a better version of myself. And so I've continued that because of the words that he spoke. So I definitely pay attention to people and what they're putting out into the world. And if it fits, it's something, you know, it's like, man, he's got a cool jacket on. I might go find the jacket and put it on. And if it's, if it's a jacket I don't like, I'm not putting it on <laughs> words like that. Yeah. So, so you have a background of now Native American and, and you got into the yogic culture, which is what predominantly Indian. Well, so what, actually, what? here's the thing with that. I'm Native American and Egyptian. Most of my DNA comes from Northern Africa and okay. actually uh, India and Egypt had a court hearing that lasted, I think, like three or four years to say who was allowed to say they started yoga. So No way. Mm -hmm. I did so, not know that. Yeah. So my Egyptian side, I give, I give credit to that as my yogic practice. And at the same time, I have a bunch of Hindu statues of different deities in here. So I, I give way to India. Yet, when I think of it being in my body, I'm like, it was because we were in the pyramids. <laughs> <laughs>
which has a whole nother level of mystique and mystery about vibrations and healing and things that I don't, I don't think most of us can wrap our heads around yet. Right. Isn't that funny? And it was how many thousands, 5,000 years ago. And, and we think we're so damn smart. <laughs> right. I, like I, it's amazing to see the villages when they, you know, now they can dig the land and see how this guy, I was watching something on uh, Egypt and this guy's carpentry burnt down and the way it burnt, you can see now how his whole house was set up because of the, how the land hit it and how the water came and, and put that out may allows them to see somehow through the patterns, what the whole village looked like. And wow. so they put up this village and it's like, and these people had houses, you know, like they weren't just living in some, uh, some cave. Yeah. Some cave or some leaves put together. They made houses and villages and communicated and, and worked and did all these things and created cement, made blocks that we couldn't move today without a machine. And yet they built those things, right? Like they built a pyramid how when we we we're building buildings and it and it's like our buildings blow over <laughs> yeah right it's incredible incredible to to uh dive into that and that's all inside of all of us to you know if we if we choose to go deep enough within ourselves then we'll gain access to the to the space that was here before like our mind only holds can't hold all the details of a two hour movie. You couldn't put it in this little computer we call a brain. So where does all that information go? Cause we can recall it at times. It goes into the supercomputer that we then, that's our long-term memory that somehow gets downloaded into this space when we need it. Like, and everybody has access to that. And people might be like, well, how do you know that? Well, when you can't figure out somebody's name because you haven't seen them in a while, and then you walk away and you're not thinking about it, where do you think it comes from? It didn't come from the space you're in. It came from somewhere far, far away that downloaded to you. And so we have access to all the information that our body has ever been through, which then gives way to all the information, period. Because even if I just got incarnated for the first time energetically, whatever you want to look at that. You don't have to believe in reincarnation, but this is the first time on earth. Well, I'm still connected to the one that was connected to the one that was connected to the one and all the way back to the original. So I actually have access to all of that. I just have to be willing to go get it. And it's not even go get it to allow it to come to me. That's so... I really like the yogic interpretation or explanation of our mind from, from what I've heard listening to Sadhguru, there are 16, our, our mind is comprised of 16 different segments, but then he narrows it down to four basic segments. And the first is your intellect. That is the processor, right? Put the information in its processing and he refers to it like a knife because it's used to analyze. And when you analyze, you're cutting things up, cutting it open so you can see inside, you're analyzing. 
And he said, so the second part is your identity. And the identity is who you identify with. Are you Native American? Are you Egyptian? Are you a, a, a scholar, a poet, American? Whatever, whatever it is that you decide that you want to identify with. And your intellect is at the service of the identity. So your and and he, he talks about have you ever one of the things he mentions is have you ever tried to sew with a knife? And people well no because you'd cut things up more than you would put it together, right? So so your intellect and how most of us live in the United States and I guess probably in today is we use our we're highly intellectual. We think this and we think that and, and it basically dictates our life. And I think that's the cause. And it's not specifically the intellect that's the cause, but it's the intellect and how it coordinates with the identity. Now that's the cause. But then, so the third part is data, which is memory. And he breaks it down to eight different types of memory from elemental memory to physical memory to all of these different types of memory. And then the fourth part is the intelligence, the super intelligence of, and that's what we're connected to the, whether it's consciousness or however you want to explain that. But it's, it's really enlightening in the way of if you can pick up the knife, he says the identity is the handle, the intellect is the blade. So as long as you pick up the knife by the handle, you can direct it in any way you want. You can cut the tomato, you can, you know, throw it in the wall, whatever you want to do, but you have the control and the understanding. Whereas most of us don't realize we let our intellect roam free, go any, any way, and we don't understand the connection to the identity. And because of that, we get ourselves into trouble and we don't know how to get out. Right. So, is that how you understand it too? Or is that, I went way too far, but I'm telling you this because you, obviously you have some of the background and I'm kind of checking my source to see if I have it right. No, I I definitely hear it and it, it uh, flows well. And I would say that now that's, probably the most I've heard from Sadhguru. <laughs> I got lots more, man. <laughs> and, and so with that, what I'd say is he sounds like someone that is very st well studied, uh, which is awesome. Like there's different ways to get to the same place. I am an experienced person. Like sitting on the mountains was my thing. Being in silence for 10 days, my thing. Being in my body as an eight-year-old and meditating, my thing, the experience of it. Um, and so, but I, and I can also uh, flow with or intellectualize, okay, yes, this knife. And if we're using intellect that's cutting and chopping and dissecting everything up, we have to get into a level of experience so we're not just cutting it up, that we're actually getting holistic. And that, that for me is where I go. Like, I'm, I'm very fortunate that my office is set up that I look out this window 
at this small lake and this osprey has been hunting the whole time. Oh, wow. Right. And so I, he's been diving and, and missing this fish and <laughs> he's done it like four, well, three times. And, uh, and so as I sit here, it's like, okay, we're getting closer. That's what, that's my experience of that. My experience is I'm watching this Osprey do his thing. He's missing and we're getting closer. And now he left and I know he'll be back. And if we hit it, he'll come out, grab the fish and be gone. That's how it worked for me sitting on the mountains, watching all the animals and sitting with the eagle as he ate the trout as sitting next to me and, and just looking at me and sat there for 24 hours eating this fish. And uh, not 24, but the whole day. So like 12, eight hours, whatever it was. And uh, so, yeah, I get it. That's That's been a different part for me. I, I've been an experienced person. How old were you really fast? Because I'm intrigued about this whole four days on the mountain thing. Uh, that's pretty damn awesome. How old were you when you did that? And it was your your grandmother that directed you to do that? Yeah, grandmother Morningstar. She's not my biological grandmother. Okay. She uh we met um and she took me on as as her grandson uh because the Palladian grandmothers came to her and said, We need you to walk with him and, and show him the way. Which she says Jesus had a grandmother that did the same. And so uh not that I'm Jesus, that's just what she said. <laughs> And so, so she's been part of my life since uh, we met, I was 35. And then over uh, the course of five years, she put me out on the mountains four times. And there, were, there was one time that she said, uh, she sat with it and said, spirit says that you need to go sit by yourself. We can bring you food. Uh, on this one and then you can go out the next year if you want and um and that was just just a different different experience how old were you when the first for the first time you did that my first time going on vision quest i was 35 and uh, and then i did it five years to come so i guess the last one i was 41 or four 40. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. I mean, I, I didn't know anything about doing it at first. Uh, and I wasn't a vegetarian, but then I was told I had to be a vegetarian for the last month plus going into it so that I could detox. So the first time I went, I dropped down to 147 pounds, uh, which was, I mean, I'm, at that time I was probably, I was closer to football time. So I was walking around and close to 200. Wow. So yeah. So then that fortunately from then on, I was told actually that does, cause I thought being a vegetarian meant, all right, I'm just going to eat a bunch of watermelon and some vegetables. Right. <laughs> so right. I lost so much weight and they're like, no, you could like make food. Uh. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that works. And so uh, it was pretty, pretty amazing. Just all the different things. Like the first time I went out, it was really, I, I had committed to wanting to know how to speak from my heart, hear from my heart, uh, feel from my heart, 
just connect to my heart all the time. And um, so that was pretty amazing because it was, it was like every animal came to visit to say, all right, we're going to help you. We're going to give you our energy and the energy that we'll pass to you is going to help you in some way. And so I learned a lot, you know, from the mouse that was like, and it was interesting to make eye contact with these animals and say in my head, I'm Sid, I'm on vision quest. What is the gift you're bringing? And hear from my heart, them respond. So this mouse looks back at me and he goes, stop sweating the small things. He starts to leave and, and then he stops and he turns back and he's looking at me and he says, it's all small things. <laughs> and this Whoa. is the universe. It's all small things. So it was just things like that. That was just like, okay, this is a lot to process. And, and they say that when you go out on vision quest, it takes anywhere from seven to nine years for that information to come through. So recently has been my end of that, letting that integrate into me, uh, which has been phenomenal. And, it, you know, my third vision quest was the time that I was given my Native American name, Nahi Adonade Nuatahi Adu, which means he who brings peace and, and took on the mission to bring peace to the world. And then it kept unfolding and taking away anything that wasn't peace. And that was, that was a big journey. I mean, my wife and I sold everything in our house, hit the road and uh, just to find that level of peace, you know, and, uh, and that's what landed us here in Jacksonville. And, and uh, yeah, it seems like it's coming through, you know, there's something for me being near the ocean. So, man who brings peace or the one who brings peace to the world, your, the way that you are doing that is through teaching meditation and uh, helping athletes have a deeper understanding of things or what would you, if you had to put it into a, a laser focused mission statement or no, not, I don't even, not mission statement, but what exactly, how are you doing that? I would say the first, the first part is me embodying that because every step I put on the earth is a vibration out to everybody. You know, uh, you brought up the Celestine prophecy and we are all connected. So I really don't have to do all these things to say, oh, this is how you get peace. I just have to keep becoming that. So often when I'm working with someone and maybe they get upset with me or they're upset and then I have to like really look inside of myself and say, okay, how am I going to come back that allows this energy to transform as I deliver it out to them? So I think that's probably the biggest thing for me is how can I be the reflection of peace that allows somebody else to say, oh, that's what that looks like. One example mm -hmm. is uh, when my son, my oldest son turned 21 and my younger son, TD, Trent, he, we were all out and Sid's turn, Sid turned 21. He's the fourth. He turned 21 and, and, uh, and so it was like, okay, hey man, get what you want. You want to get a beer, get a beer. So he orders like 
he wants to order some beers. And I was like, I'll, I'll drink a beer with you. Now I hadn't drank because after my first vision quest, I stopped drinking 14 years ago. Whoa. And, uh, and so I was like, I'll have a beer with you. And then I was like, I looked in the corner and I realized, wait a minute, if I have a beer, who's going to be the example for my other son to, to give You there? Can you, you there? Yeah. <laughs> I swear to you, something really, I, I honestly feel like, and this is, it's not conspiracy theory. It's, um, there's, there's an energy that's positive. There's energy that's negative, right? It just is what it is. The negative, not out of spite, does not want some things to take it too far. Huh. So I feel like when, because this happens often that when it gets deep, it drops. And I don't know what that's about, but I, there's something, it's not coincidental. Like it, it happens way too much for one. And I don't think anything is coincidental. Yeah, I well that that must mean we're in the right direction. <laughs> I I 100% agree. Hmm. Yeah. But that was um yeah, that's why I continue to hold it down and I think that's more important than me telling someone else how to do it is being the example. And now don't get me wrong. I have fallen short at times and then I have to get back back up and keep going and i and i see that with these athletes like i was talking to my buddy that we he works and trains a bunch of professional athletes and i was like hey man i think i just need to create a day where i just spend time and just mentor these guys because they get there they get high and then something wants to cut them down even when they seem like they're just living it righteously something just brings it back down. And it's not just athletes. It's like Martin Luther King. It's, you know, we kill our leaders that are leading us towards that positivity in many ways. And uh, so it's just an interesting thing to, to witness. And uh, yeah, not good or bad, just is what it is. Yeah. Well, well, I think that is also a, I feel like that's a learned characteristic i think the more that you're in tune with those types of it's not something that you can directly put your finger on but it's intuitive more intuitive and i think the more that you practice listening to that intuition and what it's happening the better you're able to hear it and i just know from my own experience and i know that there's been things that have happened that like i got some crazy stories i'm sure if me and you uh, so I do drink whiskey. I, I just got some Blanton's and I'll have a glass of whiskey and it, you know, makes me relax and I kick back and, you know, I think that's probably part of my non-sleeping issue. But at this point, I'm still um, making that sacrifice. <laughs> but I'm sure me and you would have a lot of stories going back and forth because this, yeah. I feel the more, it, it's almost as if you have filters on your eyes and 
as you evolve, you're able to take different filters off, which allows you to see things that are always there, but you just couldn't see it before. And as you get better understanding, you can interpret things in a better way. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm sure we'd have, we, we're going to have to uh, meet up on the beach and make a fire or something and just sit out one night and conversate and then see who comes to visit us in that conversation. You know what? That would be pretty, that would be pretty cool. What, um, what are your thoughts about, okay. So I had something really crazy happen. Long story longer. No, long story short is I went out to visit my father in a cemetery. I was going through some issues, right? One of the biggest things that you had mentioned is to be what you're trying to put out there to, to personify it yourself. And I think that is so important. I think so many people want the world to be a better place by pointing and saying, you better be a better person. You should, you know, but they're not for the majority of the time pointing back at themselves saying, I should take on this characteristic or I should. So I think the fact that you said that, is very important. And I think whoever's going to listen to this podcast, I think that's the proper starting point is within yourself. And I think when you are within yourself, you do open up different doors of the universe and you're able to see those doors. But when you're not trying to be the change, you can't really see the doors and you can't open them because as far as you know, they're not there. But so, so I was in a place in the cemetery, which was a unique place. And I was feeling a bunch of emotions and I started talking out, out loud my thoughts. Um, cause I was thinking about my, my father, I was thinking about situations that happened in his life that made it of a hard life and how I would have felt if it had happened to me, but and then it was his parents here. And then he had both of his brothers that were also in the graves, you know, and it was just me. And I was the only one in the entire cemetery. And it was probably a five acre or 10. I, it's a huge cemetery. I was the only person. It was about noon. And all of a sudden, the wind picked up like big time wind. And I was like, whoa. And the... The grave that was right next to my dad's had some flowers on it. And I'm sitting like cross-legged in front of the, in front of his headstone and behind his headstone, there's a cross. And in the background, there's a flag and it's going, you know, the wind's picking up and leaves are just flying everywhere. Right. And these flowers start doing this. And so I decided to get my camera. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to record this. And so, cause it was cool with the frame. And then on the gravestone, there's an Eagle. Uh, which is holding a dream catcher. And again, the eagle, the flag, the cross, the gravestone, my dad, all, all of these things. And so I'm recording the flowers go like this. And all of the sudden, I look at the phone and there's a little beam of light that's on my dad's gravestone right above the mountain. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then I look at the gravestone but the light's not there. And I look back at it and 
no, the light's there. It's there. I see it right here as I'm looking at this. And in my mind, I'm like, well, that's interesting. I can look back at the gravestone. It's not on the damn gravestone, man. It's not on the gravestone. I'm sitting here under a tree, under all of the shade. There's nobody anywhere or near me to cast some type of a reflection off of something. But even if it was a reflection, I would be able to see it. And so literally three times and I'm like, no, it's still right here. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing. So I was recording it. And then after, you know, 30 seconds or 45 seconds or whatever it was, I ended up stop recording. And because I was in an emotional uh, frenzy in different ways, you know, I was like, and so I wasn't really thinking about how crazy this was until afterwards. And I'm driving home and then I'm talking to my wife and I was like, Hey, yeah, something weird happened. Like I'm looking, I'm like, I got to see this again. And then I bring up the phone and I look at it and I'm like, I'll be damn, what is that? Like, what is this? And I literally have a podcast that I did and I, I, it was called Heavy Crosses. And I talk about the story in my frame of mind and everything. And then I actually posted that video up on YouTube and I have a link to that in the show notes. So everybody can see because this is some crazy shit, man. And when you zone, zoom into it, it's not just one light. It's several swirling lights, but it's very focused. And I, you know, and, and then, okay, it's a message. It's light. What's it telling me? What am I supposed to do? Right. And so I, I'm trying to interpret this and it's, it's not, there's not a clear answer, but it's, um, it's just, you know, there's a bunch of things that our little pea brains can't understand and comprehend. And just because we can't see it or can't identify it doesn't mean that it's not there. There's so many things that are there that we can't interpret. So anyway, I think what you're doing also is you're opening more doors to that through other people, I guess, is what it seems like. And I think that's, I think that's, is the way through to, to peace. But, but I don't know, what do you, what do you think about that situation? Well, first I'd say, um, spirit often for me speaks through the wind. Like it, it whistles. And if, if I listen intently enough, I will hear what it's saying. Um, a lot of, I mean, we are all elemental beings and one for me is wind. Wind speaks a lot for me. And so the other part is our cameras see behind, see through. I mean, they just have more definition than our eyes. And for some reason, yeah, there's a lot of, um, a lot of camera things that happen that we can't pick up because we haven't relaxed into seeing. It's like seeing those pictures, you know, when you relax your eyes and then all of a sudden there's a picture that comes forward from what I can't. Oh yeah. Remember. And I think that's kind of how it is. And if, if I relax, when I have relaxed, as I'm looking at someone, I can see their aura, you know, I can start to see the hues off of different things. And in that moment, your camera just picked it up because there are layers and it's like, I look at it like this. 
we have a shadow, a two dimension shadow, excuse me. And then we have ourselves, we're three dimensional beings. Our three dimensional being has a two dimensional shadow. What about the fourth dimension? Us being the shadow of the fourth dimension all the way up to the 10th dimension. So there's things we just don't see because does our shadow even see us? And so I, I, I just, you know, that, and I get truth bumps when I explain it like that. So that truth works. For me. Uh, just that is my connection when I get the truth bumps. Then it's like, okay, we're getting closer. And I still really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. I think uh, that that humility is an important part of the whole equation. I think if you don't have the humility to to accept that you don't know very much. <laughs> I feel like if you if you think you know so much, it's like Bruce Lee, you're the you're not the empty cup and you can't put anything else. If the cup is already full, then you can't put anything else in it. But when you're when you're empty and you realize that there's a lot to learn and that you're getting close, but you know, you don't know, that's an important attitude to have, man. Yeah, I mean, for me, it really just lands for me. One, I don't know everything. It's not in this body. Maybe I do know everything, but in this body as a human being, I don't know it all. So it's okay. And it's okay for me to question those that think they know it all. Like, go take this shot because that's going to be the best thing for us. How do you know? Do you really know? And if you really do, please explain it to me. You may save my life. But if, and if you really don't, let's not get into that. Let's not, let's not go there. Cause I, I'm good where I stand and the way Many people come at me when there's a conversation. If I challenge something like that, that I just did without saying it. Yep. They come at me with a bunch of anger. I'm like, ah, that's not where I want to go anyway. So you're good. Keep it. I'm good yeah. where I am. And now yep. I'm going to be okay. Letting you stay where you are. I'm <laughs> going to be okay being where I am, you know? And I think that's, the more I've been able to let go when I'm having conversations with training close to 3000 teachers and all these different people, if I can sit there and, and be in that space of, all right, I'm hearing you and I'm just listening and okay, we got here. Now, what about this? And if I can relax into it, we actually usually can get to a, a deeper place of peace in those moments because no one's fighting about it. It's like, all right, you, there's been enough wars fought over defending our sacred ground that doesn't look so sacred. <laughs> you know, it's like, all yeah. right, let's get over it and keep going. Yeah. So when you say training or teaching 3,000 teachers, what, what is that? We didn't get into that really. Yeah, so I've trained a lot of yoga teachers. Okay, yoga. Teach yoga, yeah. And um, and people to teach meditation or uh, to work with other people. Uh, so, yeah, I've trained a lot of people that way, as well as um, just being with people in general. 
you know, working with people that just come to take a yoga class or come to sit in and say, Hey, I just want to ask you a bunch of questions. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's what I've done and, and continue to do it. And who knows, I'm just doing what I, I think God wants me to do. Who knows if it is, I don't think God really cares actually. <laughs> right. Well, again, there we go. We don't know. <laughs> we, we don't know. And I just, there's a lot of people that do profess to know everything and they have a source or a couple sources and they think that that is all of the knowledge in the universe. And it's just not, it's just not all the knowledge in the universe. And yes, nuggets, bunch of nuggets. It's not the end all be all whatever your book, right? If it's the Bible, if it's the, uh, whatever, the Torah, the, like there's, I feel like these books have an extreme amount of insight and knowledge and potential for discernment. If you are studying and following, following them, following these books, but there's a lot of things that just by happenstance, these books can't explain because there's not enough paper to have all of the words written that explain, you know, the difference, the, the different things that happen to you in your life and whatnot. So uh, humility is is such a refreshing trait. You know, I, I like to talk to people that are like, ah, maybe, but I don't know, but this is how I see it. Like exactly what you're doing. I, I think I got kudos to you, man, for that. Um, appreciate it. And there's still though, even when I hold that, there's still people to get mad. <laughs> I, I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm at peace with you having your stance and and just if you want, you can be at peace with where I am because I'm gonna be okay where I am. <laughs> and so many people that doesn't work for them. Yeah, they they want to influence you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And so you know. Before we leave, I know you got time or, you know, I, I want to be respectful of your time. So I don't want to just talk to you. I'm sure we could talk forever. But one of the things that of the road I'm going down with this Bevolve road is by doing conscious breathing, you know, something that we do 23,000 times a day. Right. And so we're all we're already doing it. And and now somebody's going to tell me how I should breathe. But I already do it 23,000 times a day. Come on, buddy. Like I I got better things to do than to listen to this. But when you look at it from a humble standpoint and you're like, well, what it, is there something that I can learn of things that I think I already know? Well, I don't know. Why don't I listen? The different states of being that you can put your body in just by your breath alone. If you're breathing fast, if you're breathing shallow, breathing through your nose with nitric oxide and all these, there's, there's a bunch of physiological benefits and psychological benefits, but it's deep. And, but it, it's proven by people that are out there doing things. But I think we're all too busy to actually take a step back and try different things that we already think we know. Uh, moving, just the, the simple act of moving, walking up and down the street, like pretty important thing for health. 
I recently bought a course called Qigong. Have you ever heard of Qigong? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I studied with the 31st generation Shaolin monk over in, uh, he's over in Houston. Whoa. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Amazing. Just, I, I've never, he's someone that I said, okay, I'm going to be here for this next, uh, 10 days. I'm turning the reins to you. I don't ever give, having stepped into the space that I feel I'm in, it's rare that I just say, hey, I'm going to listen to whatever you say, because he had it. Like, it was just another level to it. Yeah, you'd, wow. you'd probably really like to meet him, being in, in the Qigong that you're in. And, and uh, yeah, the Sifu. He was, he's an ama- amazing person. We were sparring. And he's like, okay, now you spar with me, Sid. And so I, I'm like, all right, I was a golden, I was a block boxer in college. Let's go. And I and I went and kind of he started moving faster. So I started moving faster. Next thing you know, we're like boom, 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 boom. And I went and swung and he grabbed me, grabbed my wrist, put his knee in my chest. I go, I start to fly back. He reaches over and catches me and he goes, Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't move him to move that fast. <laughs> <laughs> And I was just like, awesome. heck yeah, you got the driver's seat anytime you want, man. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but so I get it. Yes, Qigong and the energy. Go for it. Yeah, and and it's also I'm I'm I just started doing it, you know. And so there's all these different poses and stances and moving into those stances that it takes some flexibility and I, I don't have that yet, you know, and, and so, but it is interesting. It's, it's balance, you know, it's balancing your breathing and you're moving and just your being. And the whole point of evolving your state of being, like when you say, Hey, I'm good. I'm, I'm here. I'm going to let you stay over there. Cause you can keep that and I'll be over here and, and I'm good, but that's because your state of being is in balance and you're okay with that. A lot of people aren't because their state of being is not in balance and they are heavy on one side and they're like, no, 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 dude, can't you see this? This is, and they're, and that I think is what causes the the angst. But, you know, if, if you just get out of a massage and it was the best massage you ever had and you had a nice cold glass of water and you're walking across the lobby and somebody's like, hey, you're an asshole. You'll look at him and you'll be like, I'm sorry that you feel that way, you know, <laughs> but it's not going to really affect you that bad because your state of being is imbalanced. You're you're OK. But that same situation and you didn't have any sleep and you're stressed out and you've been, you know, ruminating on some negative thoughts and somebody's like, hey, there's a piece of paper in your way. What? You know, and. And then you unleash hell on them because you're out of balance. And so I think it's an important thing for people to try to maintain the state of balance. And I think those are the three main levers is you're breathing, you're moving, and then and then thinking. And again, we kind of touched on that a little bit, but the, I feel like there's a lot of stuff I can learn from you. And I feel like you should be putting together some courses if you haven't already done that. I don't know on on this 
I would really like to, I would really be interested uh, to hear some stuff about this Shelin Monk, some of the things you did. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, one thing that I learned from him, uh, I learned a lot in a short amount of time, yet was like he, you know, we were going through and we're striking and we're moving and, and, uh, you know, getting into Shanti Shabu and at which you probably know the, the stance and leaning back in your back foot and just hold that stay there 30 minutes. Like he talked a lot about, you don't need to know how to do a lot of things. Just go master one and everything else will show up. And I, it's, it, Jesus speaks of it in the Bible. When you get a new, uh, uh, well, in yoga, they call them the cities, the yoga, yogic powers. You get a new power, like clairvoyance or healing, and just let that go because you got there. That's just a signpost you're getting closer. Go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. Most people stay at the, at the thing they've learned. And it's like, all right, keep going in and see how far you get. And then when you get all the way in, they all come flooding back anyway. That's, that's what Jesus says somewhere. Um, and so for me, that's kind of where it's been. And that's why I've done so many different things. Cause it's like, okay. I remember I coached the last game of my coaching career and, and people said we won that game because of Sid. And that was 24 years of losing seasons. Right. Uh -huh. and, and the head coach is like, without Sid, we don't win that period. And, um, my dad was like, man, I finally understand why you coach football. And I was like, yeah, why? He's like, cause you, you really have a different way about you about it. I said, that's awesome. I said, but I, I got something to tell you. I'm retiring tomorrow. Oh, God. He, was like, he was like, dude, I don't understand you. And I was like, yeah, I'm retiring tomorrow. And well, what are you going to do then? Well, I'm going to go and teach yoga. Yoga? It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> then fast forward to uh, a couple of years ago, I'm like, Hey man, I'm going to sell, sell my studio to Sid and Liz and I are going to sell everything and hit the road. And he was like, what are you going to do? I'm like, we're just going to hit the road and I'm going to figure it out. That's the dumbest thing. I said, you know, if you didn't say that, I actually don't think it would, I should do it. <laughs> You've said that every time. And here I am. And it's been successful. I think I got to go. And he was just like, man, I don't understand you. You do some crazy stuff. You know, that's why my hair is gray as you. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. But okay, I, your hair went gray when you were 27. I wasn't born. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's just being okay, continuing to go. And not that I, I even know how far I am, because I don't know, you know, like, I do think that someone can get so connected that they almost don't look human because they'll be, it'd be different than everybody else. So you asked earlier, who's that person? I, I literally, you know, they say you're the, you're the sum of the five people you hang around and someone said it once to me in a different way, but I'm, I want to hang around God, 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 <laughs> because that's where I want, not that I want to be God. I just want to be my greatest potential. And right now, 
on the earth, the greatest potential of what's there is God. So I, I continue to try to make union with that to reach for my highest self. And that often looks like letting go to get further down the path, you know, and, and because I haven't seen someone yet that I just say, Oh, they totally get it. Now, maybe that is side guru. I don't know. Uh, but because I haven't seen that, I haven't, it's been a while since I've said, all right, this is, this is the person I'm going to sit with because they're closer to where I want to go. That Shaolin monk, there's no doubt in my mind. He's closer. He just happened to be in Houston. I didn't want to stay in Houston. (laughs) (laughs) But I can see going, but, but here's the thing. Like I practice in my mind constantly what he taught me, like how to, how to block strike, strike again, and then protect yourself at the same time. I'm constantly working on that in my mind. My body does it even more active and easier now than I ever did when I was with him and or sitting into Shanti Shabu. And what's awesome about it is I didn't realize it. And then I went back and watched the matrix and Morpheus and, and uh, Neo sparring and they're doing it. That's what they're doing when they're doing all the stuff he was teaching. And it's like, I've just, like you said, I've experienced so much. Uh, I've run into teachers that didn't actually exist once they gave me the messages they were supposed to give. Like people I've shown up in buildings that I think are really there and then come back and the building's empty. Come back and the buildings never existed in Scottsdale, Arizona. The one in, in Maryland came back and all the furniture was gone when I was supposed to have my last treatment. And that guy taught me so much and just some wild stuff. So I appreciate this conversation has been amazing. Not that it's over, but it's been, and it's been amazing because yeah, we're just chopping it up and letting it flow. And I appreciate who you are to, to bring that all forward. Well, I know that's great, man. And the fact that you decided to, to talk with me is it was one of those. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it. Right. Um, and you know, I think God points us in the right direction. We just let go and, and, and head in that direction. And I feel like, so with what I'm doing, it's definitely, this is the move podcast. Move is an acronym. M is make a difference in other people's lives. O is offer up your time, talents, and gifts. V is to find victory in the small things. And that just means appreciate what you have, no matter the situation. And then E is to encourage others. And I think you're a living example of that acronym. And it's a very profound acronym that was placed on my lap from somebody that's above my pay grade. And it's a really interesting story that at some point I'll, you know, I don't want to get into it right now because there's, it'll go too long. We'll be talking till midnight, man. So, but it was a, it was a very interesting way that, that move became part of who I am today. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make a difference. I'm trying to offer up my time, talents, and gifts of what I have. And the feeling of, of, of appreciation 
is such an important part of everything that I do. And I think that no matter how much we focus on that, we can still do better. And I think that from that position of appreciation, it opens the doors to the universe of so many different ways. And I think that if we focus on that, everything in life is going to be better. Our own lives and how we touch other people. And I think that's the most powerful stance is appreciation. And encouraging others just goes without saying, you know, you help other people and you shine a light on somebody's trail, that light will also shine on yours. So um, I think you're definitely doing it. I think you and I are going to probably have a couple projects that we'll work on or, or something uh, because, you know, as far as the resources, the videography, you know, podcasting, I, I just, I've, I've built a ton of resources with a bunch of business people that I've started different businesses and um, I have a nonprofit called My Unsung Hero Foundation, another story. Um, but at, at the end of the day, you know, Unsung Heroes, which is kind of what MOVE is creating, people that are doing things out of love. And, you know, if you look at the word MOVE and you cover the first part of the M, it spells love and people move because of love and they're moved because of love. So that's where that whole thing came from. And that was my sister. Um, I talked about that on the, the second podcast, but long story, um, cutting abruptly to the end <laughs> is that we're in the right place and I appreciate you. And I want to explore other projects and things that we can do to make the world a better place. Yeah, I hear that. I um, When I was on my one vision quest, I saw this vision of myself and someone else sitting at a campfire. And I've never really found that person, but I just got reminded of that as you were sharing. And maybe we'll have a bunch of people at a campfire and see where we go. I love it, man. I love the, the potential. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I'm going to call it I'm going to call it to an end so you can get on doing what you're doing and me too and um Sid, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure and I um look forward to connecting more. I mean, I have gotten to a point where I know when someone is a soul brother, like, you know, and and I feel that with you and so I look forward to moments to come meeting your wife, you meeting mine. And, and, uh, you know, I live in paradise. So if you, anytime you want to come down, just let me know. That sounds good. I live in paradise in hell with California, you know, it's paradise, but it's hell too, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's good I, I mean, there's, there's like a thousand people a day moving here. It's, it's crazy. I, I mean, I don't blame them, but ah, you know, Florida, a lot of people are moving to Florida. I used to live in Savannah for a long time. I got married in Jacksonville. My uh, my daughter was in um, Tampa. My ex-wife lives over there. So I got a lot of connections and, you know, a lot of peace of me over there. So, but, so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be on that side of the world at some point. And if you're ever over here, 
let me know. Give me a minute. Y'all got to get under the lockdown. <laughs> yeah, this is ridiculous, man. That's another thing. It's um, I, I we'll save that for off the record, I guess. But yeah. at some point, <laughs> um, so anybody else out there listening to this podcast, thank you for your time. And if there's something that you want to bring up to Sid, or if you have any ideas, or want to make the world a better place, and want to bring us in on that. I invite you, I welcome you, and show me what you're working with. What, what do we got? Come on, don't be afraid. Let's see. What, what can you do? Um, until then, till next time, sayonara. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>